pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope. And there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. The pain from gout can be crushing. Attacks force people to sit down immediately or lie in bed. On many occasions, not even a bedsheet can touch the exquisitely tender, red, warm, and swollen joint without causing lightning bolts of pain. It's the most common inflammatory joint disease and affects over 5 million people in the United States alone. It occurs when high levels of uric acid accumulate around the joints, especially the big toe joint. Historically, the symptoms have been recorded as far back as 2600 BC in ancient Egypt. King Henry VIII, Sir Isaac Newton, and Benjamin Franklin all suffered from gout. It's been referred to as the king of diseases and the disease of kings, because rich foods and alcohol, symbols of the good life, trigger painful attacks. On today's show, Paul Feinberg shares what it's like to have gout for 13 years and how he's making strides to beat it, while Dr. Michael Maldonado provides expert recommendations from years of treating patients with this disease. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Horizon Pharma, Pentech Health, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Paul Feinberg was diagnosed with gout 13 years ago. He's had several gouty attacks in his foot, ankle, and knee. At times, it's been completely debilitating. But today, Paul's on the path of far fewer gouty attacks and feeling much better. He's here to share his story. Paul, welcome to Aches and Gains. Well, thanks for having me on the show. What were your first symptoms of gout? The first symptoms that I had were um, in my large toe. I had it on my left foot, and I uh, experienced excruciating pain in uh, in the ball of my foot. This was um, back in uh, 1999. It must have been scary. What did you think was happening? I really wasn't sure. I had um, been jogging um, around that time, and I thought maybe I had a bone spur, and... Uh, it just got worse and worse. What did you do, I mean, after your first attack of gout? I actually waited um, a couple days, and it, it got worse and worse. And it, it got so excruciating that I went to the emergency room of a local hospital. Well, and then what did they do? They took an x-ray, and um, they evaluated it. They took some blood, and uh, they diagnosed it as most likely a gout. Paul, what did the blood test show? It showed that I had an elevated uh, level of uric acid. Gouty attacks are described as the most painful of all the arthritic conditions. 
What's it been like for you? It's been very painful. I don't believe that I've had anything as painful in my life. I would say it's it's closest to a, a stabbing sensation. It's almost like the bone is broken. You can't withstand any pressure on that area, and you certainly can't stand on it. Exactly. It sounds terrible, and I've had patients say the same thing. Uh, Paul, take us through the process of a gouty attack. Initially, I experienced a dull pain. It's almost as though I pulled something or, or I have a bruised muscle in the area. It gradually gets worse. The pain intensifies, and if I don't attend to it properly with some sort of medication, the um, area around the affected area starts swelling. It actually turns a black and blue eventually. For those who have no idea of what we're talking about, how long do these gouty attacks usually last? I mean, a couple of hours, days, or, or even weeks? One episode, if not treated, could take approximately a week, sometimes more than that. I have had it um, last for about a week, but then it it, um, flares up maybe in a slightly different part of my foot. So in total, it lasts for about two weeks, maybe even longer. It's lasted um, maybe a month in the past. I mean, that's a long time to have acute, intense pain. When the attacks occur, are you able to function? When it's at its worst point, it is impossible to do anything. When I have it, if I, I haven't attended to it properly, I can't do anything but just try to elevate it and, and keep it still. In time, have the gouty attacks confined themselves to the metatarsophalangeal joint, also known as the big toe joint, or have they moved beyond that? Each time I had it over the years, it was always in the, the underside of the large toe, and it flared up in my other foot in my big toe. It wasn't until about last five years out of the 13 or so years that I've had it that uh, I started experiencing it in other parts of the foot, primarily like the outer side of the arch, the heel, the uh, outer side of the ankle. And most recently, I experienced it on the outside of my, um, my knees. Individually, I had two different episodes. Is it a scary feeling that the pain that initially started in your big toe is now creeping up your body? It is somewhat scary. Um, I have a lot of hope, though, because I am on a medication now called Alpurinol. Yes, and we'll talk about that later. When we come back from the break, we'll talk to Paul about what triggers his gouty attacks. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Mylan Pharmaceuticals, one of the world's leading generic pharmaceutical companies. Discover why at Mylan, quality isn't just a claim, it's a cause we've made personal at seeinsidemylan.com. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Welcome back. We're speaking with Paul Feinberg about the impact of gout on his life. Paul, tell us what triggers your gouty attacks. If I have too much red meat, I typically try to avoid it because of the correlation I've seen with gout. Um, Processed foods, uh, hot dogs, for instance. One time I had a beer, a dark beer, and that in conjunction with some chili and beans caused the gout to occur. So I've, I've associated both alcohol and uh, red meats primarily to uh, the episodes that I've experienced. 
I did uh, experience some of these episodes while I was traveling, and uh, usually I would get them when I was overly stressed. So stress seems to have something to do with it. I didn't get enough sleep. I was stressed, and I my diet wasn't um, what it normally would be if I were at home. X-rays are usually normal in the first year of uncontrolled gout. Are you getting x-rays now, and if so, how often? If you have uh, a recurrence of gout, um, these uric acid crystals form on the joint, and um, they have a tendency to start deteriorating the joint. So it's always a good idea to um, have an x-ray periodically, especially if you have it more frequently. Um, I really didn't have an x-ray more than uh, maybe once every three years. In fact, if gout continues untreated, x-rays begin to reveal erosions of the bone. Has this happened to you yet? I was told that I had slight damage on my left toe, but it was just very minimal. And I haven't experienced um, any residual symptoms from it, although um, periodically I feel a little bit arthritic in my foot, but that's very infrequent. Now let's turn to treatments. Paul, what have you found to be the most effective to combat pain during an attack? What works best for me is a leaf. It's uh, naproxen. I find that if I can diagnose it early enough and take enough of the Aleve right up front. I could stave it off within even two to three days in most cases. In addition to the Aleve, what I've been doing is um, taking some Coltracine. That was also prescribed by my rheumatologist. And together, the two have um, been very effective in um, keeping under control for a while now. The Coltracine by itself has not been able to to um, stave it off. I have tried just the culture scene by itself and my um, attack lasted for about a week. What I usually take are four leaves. They're 220 milligrams each. Be about four hours later, I, I really feel significant diminishing of the pain. That's great. You know, hopefully those with uncontrolled gout can talk to their doctors about using a similar combination of medications. Uh, Paul, have you tried any herbals for the control of acute gouty attacks? I've um, tried cherry extract and cherry juice and uh, pomegranate juice. Um, apparently, if you take serving of cherry juice on a daily basis, you can reduce your uric acid level by 15%. I um, tried taking that um, for a while. It never really seemed to affect me. I have to admit, though, I wasn't religious in, in taking it. It's not going to be the only only cure. I think just your diet as well is, is very critical. Let's focus on what you're doing to prevent these life-altering gouty attacks. When uh, I experienced a number of gouty attacks successively over a period of four months, it, it was affecting my ability to work properly. It was affecting you know my ability to be active. So I was just very anxious at that point to get on some medication and start reducing the uric acid level. The only thing I do is take allopurinol. I take one pill a day of uh, 300 milligrams. And I know how encouraged you are by the positive effects of the allopurinol on your uric acid levels, reduction in painful gouty attacks, and the hope that it will restore you to a pain-free life. And Paul, in closing, what would you tell those with gout to do that you didn't do to control the condition? First of all, to certainly see a rheumatologist, um, I would recommend understanding what works for you and understand how much of whatever non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug you should take 
taking um, taking the right amounts as soon as possible, and then watching your diet as uh, best you can. I don't think it's necessary to eat nuts and grapes for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, Paul, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. I appreciate your efforts in having the show. I'm sure it's very helpful. Up next is rheumatologist Dr. Michael Maldonado, who will provide cutting-edge information about the treatment of gout. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. Horizon Pharma, a biopharmaceutical company that develops and commercializes innovative medicines to target unmet therapeutic needs in arthritis, pain, and inflammatory diseases. Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. Welcome back. Dr. Michael Maldonado is a rheumatologist and experimental immunologist. He was an assistant professor of medicine in the Division of Rheumatology at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. Today, he's the director of the Immunoscience Clinical Research Group at Bristol-Myers Squibb. He focuses on understanding how the immune system causes diseases and then how to translate this knowledge into effective treatments. Dr. Maldonado, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. Gout has been described as the king of diseases and the disease of kings. What is it? It's a sudden acute inflammatory response that happens in joints because of the accumulation of monosodium urate crystals. Uh, Great. And what's the current understanding of why uric acid levels accumulate? For uh, reasons that are not 100% sure, we humans and other primates have a mutation in the gene for uricase, and therefore we cannot metabolize uric acid. And uric acid tends to accumulate in the body and crystallize at, under normal conditions, particularly as we age and uh, the scourge of Western medicine uh, as a syndrome called metabolic syndrome, which is associated to uh, hypertension, obesity, insulin resistance, and many things that lead to cardiovascular disease, strokes and heart attacks, is also associated to an increase in uh, uric acid. Uh, Mike, do other animals get gout? Primates can get gout. I have a a colleague, a former colleague, who actually got to diagnose gout in a gorilla at the Philadelphia Zoo, which is a rather remarkable thing to have to do with a 600-pound animal. That's exactly right. Uh, You know, some foods are rich in purines, and purines are involved in energy and DNA synthesis. Importantly, uric acid is a breakdown product of purines. Dr. Maldonado, which foods trigger gout? A lot of foods like lobster are full of purines, and we know that a big meal full of purines leads to a metabolism of a lot of these, which can increase uric acid in the short term, which is a known precipitant. Everything from dairy on out can actually influence this. Um, and this, this helps us understand the disease at a population level, though it's probably less likely an understanding uh, of how to uh, manage it at an individual patient level. Right. At the same time, though, foods that are high in dietary purines that we should probably avoid are things like anchovies, sardines, sweetbreads, 
kidney, liver, and and sometimes alcohol. Uh, Mike, my dad has gout, and am I therefore at increased risk of developing gout myself? Uh, yeah, there are familiar associations, and they track with other variables that involve multiple genes, uh, as seen in the metabolic syndrome. And Mike, paint a picture for us of someone experiencing an acute gouty attack. Ah, gout is actually an acute episode that begins with sort of a, a feeling of, of tightness and a burning uh, and redness with uh, uh, associated tenderness using one joint. The, the most common joint is the uh, to have your first episode and even recurrent episodes is the big toe. And the thing is, over hours, this thing increases in pain to a very dramatic level. Uh, this is a disease that mostly affects uh, men, uh, although it will affect uh, postmenopausal women. And uh, we men are not used to pain this severe, uh, and it can be quite remarkable. And it will last if, if untreated uh, for days and up to a couple of weeks. That's a long, long time. Mike, tell us how gout is properly diagnosed. A patient walks in and either to the emergency room uh, in an acute ep- episode or after an acute episode into the rheumatologist's office and says, I had this horrible pain in my joint and I don't know what it was. And uh, normally what uh, we rheumatologists do is that uh, when the story lines up, uh, we we stick a needle um, uh, and uh, aspirate fluid from the affected joint. We put it under a microscope. And so once we identify the crystals, we have a diagnosis. I think it's important to note then that it's the removal of the fluid from the joint and then seeing the uric acid levels under the microscope that really make the diagnosis. Mike, what happens if you have more than one attack? Those are the people who really deserve the diagnosis. And not only do they deserve a diagnosis, they deserve a workup for why are you doing this. Uh, you know, we find leukemias, we find chronic renal disease, we find all kinds of things all the time. You know, there's a lot of these people. Mike, what should patients do if they don't have their joint aspirated at the time of the attack? If you walk into my clinic and you, you know, the attack was over a week, a, a month ago, whatever, I'll still tap it. Because it turns out even a dry tap can make the diagnosis because you need just the one crystal to make the diagnosis. When my dad had acute gouty attacks, they drew blood levels of uric acid. How important is that? What is really not a good idea is to make the diagnosis just based on the blood levels. Most people who walk around with elevated levels of uric acids will never have a gout attack. Although the higher the level is, the more likelihood you will have one. And in patients who do, in fact, have recurrent episodes, because not everybody will have recurrent episodes, then um, uh, the level of uric acid in the blood will help dictate uh, effective therapy. Well, Mike... A diet that, if you will, is fit for kings isn't the only thing that's going to cause gouty attacks, right? What precipitates attacks is fascinating. There's clearly evidence that weather and temperature can have effect on this. A heavy meal can have an effect on this. Even trauma has been known to, to trigger episodes. So there are a lot of complexities. Yeah, I mean, gout affects men 20 times more frequently than it affects women. Mike, what is the peak onset in men and women? Uh, uh, for women, it's clearly postmenopausal. For men, the peak incidence usually is 40 to 50. Mike, when we have, or if we have, an acute gouty attack, should we have, I mean, is that the time to have fluid 
removed from the joint, which is called an arthrocentesis, and that fluid examined under the microscope to confirm the diagnosis? The joint is usually aspirated during the uh, acute attack because we're more likely to be able to get fluid easily and, and see the crystals. Uh, but we can do the joint tap at any time. Uh, it's just technically more difficult. But the uric acid level should really not be done during the acute attack because it doesn't reflect a steady state. It doesn't reflect what's really happening on the average day. And that's the level that's really most informative. And in fact, I think many would be surprised to understand that it's important to have uric acid levels from the blood drawn a couple of weeks after an attack to determine if we need to start a preventive medicine. Yes, yes. No, the, the uric acid level is always done when the acute attack has resolved. So the elevated level itself is not the diagnosis of gout. The elevated level just identifies you as a person at risk of developing the actual gouty arthropathy. Exactly. To summarize then, uh, normally acute attacks, individual attacks, do not cause any damage to the tissue or the joints. It's the recurrent attacks that can damage bone and soft tissue in time. And that the number of attacks increase in frequency and duration over time for patients left untreated. And finally, the number of joints involved can increase. In fact, no joint is spared if gout goes untreated. And now, uh, Dr. Maldonado, let's focus on treatments. The best drug that we have are the class of drugs that we know as NSAIDs, like indomethacin and naproxen or uh, ibuprofen. And these drugs to this day are still our most effective therapy. Some people will require other therapies. We can inject corticosteroids into the joint. They'll do nothing for the pain immediately, but they'll do wonders for the inflammation. So we also will inject uh, lidocaine into the joint. Colchicine is a drug that's been in use in the Western pharmacopoeia for thousands of years, literally. So colchicine only deals with inflammation. It'll decrease the inflammation during the attack faster. And it also prevents new attacks from happening. The colchicine really has to be administered as early as possible, within hours of the beginning of the episode. It can be up to 12 hours. I have some patients who don't want to take colchicine because of the gastrointestinal upset. Yes, uh, colchicine, unfortunately, the main uh, side effect that restricts its use is gastrointestinal upset uh, and uh, increased bowel movements. Uh, but it's at the lower doses, it's, it's well tolerated by most patients. We tell patients to take a pill about every two hours, up to three or four of them, and that should be enough for the attack. Tell us about allopurinol. Ah, so allopurinol has some very specialized uses, but in the management of gout for the average patient of gout, it, this is a drug that I'm going to reach for for people who have demonstrated that they're going to have recurrent episodes and that they have accumulated uh, significant uh, uric acid in their body, such that they have actually started to form these collections of monosodium uric uh, crystals that we call TOFI. In that case, I, I really need a drug like this that'll really allow me to drive the level of uric acid low by decreasing the production, the own body's production of uric acid. I still have patients who don't tolerate allopurinol. So recently we had a, a new drug that was approved that works in a similar fashion called Fobuxostat. And so I also have that as an option in patients where needed. And another new agent called piglodicase can be injected into a vein and dissolve uric acid accumulations called TOFI. And on the horizon, but not here yet, canakinumab and rilonicept are new biologic agents that target the substances that drive gouty inflammation. 
And finally, is there hope for the most painful of all arthritic conditions? Gout is a very manageable disease for the majority of patients. We have uh, new therapies that uh, make us better at what we do, and we have therapies in development. Fantastic. Dr. Maldonado, I want to thank you for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Horizon Pharma, Pentec Health, and Boston Scientific. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulchristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.